0: few weeks we've been dealing with the plight of Israel and its eventual exile uh, due to their sin and rebellion towards God we looked at uh, the Assyrian captivity a few weeks ago then we looked at, at uh, the prophet of Jonah and how he had went and prophesied against Nineveh and all that stuff. Today we're going to shift our focus a little bit from the northern kingdom of Israel to the southern kingdom of Judah. Now while Israel you might remember I said that uh, the Israel had been having a whole big run of bad kings. I mean, every king they had just about was wicked. They always did uh, uh, what was worse than the guy before him. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Well, Judah in the south, uh, they were not very much better. They had some good kings, but they also had several bad ones. And a few years after Israel was exiled by the Assyrians, uh, a man by the name of Hezekiah took the throne in Judah. Now, uh, Hezekiah was a good king If if you're familiar with your Old Testament history He was a good king He made many, many reforms But his son Who also took the throne after him He was a man by the name of Manasseh Manasseh was about the worst king that they had And uh, and so Hezekiah did all these reforms uh, Got people studying the word again Had, had reinstituted uh, some of the stuff Some of the Passover and stuff But Manasseh was a lot worse than anybody else And so he comes in he undoes all the reforms that Hezekiah before him had done and he actually leads, uh, he sets up all these altars even in the temple of God, he sets up altars to false gods. Now uh, the Assyrians, they don't like Manasseh, they end up leading him, away, him into, into, into prison and while he's in jail, uh, he comes to the Lord, he, he repents and after he's released, he makes reforms of his own. Well, then his son Ammon comes onto the scene, and he's a bad guy too. He undoes all the reforms that Manasseh has done, and uh, and and it, it was just a bad deal. Uh, Ammon was only on the throne for about two years, and so then comes Josiah. That's who we're going to look at. His story is told in the book of Second Kings in the twenty-second and twenty-third chapters. If you'll if you'll head there, and uh, as we study his life today, it's it's kind of like getting a breath of fresh air because he was a godly man and he experienced. Revival, And I've titled my sermon today, A Recipe for Revival. Recipe for Revival, and I hesitated to do that because I don't want you to come away with the idea that we can somehow manufacture revival. We cannot do it. It's not like we can follow a recipe like making a cake if we add this ingredient and this ingredient, and then we'll necessarily have revival. That's not the way it works. Revival is something that only God can cause. But having said that, there are some common themes that we see in revival, the, the sweeping revivals all throughout history, and we see them as, as we look at uh, Josiah's life. And I don't know about you, but, but I want to see revival. I want to see revival in America. I want to see revival in New Hope Baptist Church, and, and most of all, I want to see revival in Jeff. Because the fact of the matter is, we as a nation, we as Christians, have drifted away uh, from God just like the Jews had done. We we are not where we need to be with the Lord, and so today I want to encourage you to seek revival. But I want I want you to see revival as the end goal. Repentance should be our end goal. Revival would be a, a, a an outcome. It would be a it would be not the the cause but the effect. Okay, so so if we do that, we're going to be right with God and we're going to be right with people. Now what I've done is I've grouped these these uh, these keys, these ingredients, these these themes that we see in Josiah's life under under five different headings, and I've tith- they all start with the letter R to help us kind of remember things. So let's look at chapter Second uh, Kings chapter twenty two, and we'll look at the first uh, several verses starting in verse one. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned thirty one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was uh, Jedidiah, the mother of uh, Adiah of Boscoth. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the way of his father David. And it does mean that David was a stab at his ancestor David. Nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. Now, in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, uh, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of uh, Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Let them deliver it into the hand of the workmen Who have the oversight of the house of the Lord And let them give it to the workmen Who are in the house of the Lord To repair the damages to the house To the carpenters and to the builders and to the masons And for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house Only no accounting shall be made with them For the money delivered into their hands For they deal faithfully Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan who read it Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought back word to the king and said, "Your servants have have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord." Moreover, Shaphan the scribe uh, told the king, saying, "Hilkiah the the, high, the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest." Uh, 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 Chiam, the son of Shaphan Achbor the son of uh, Micaiah Shaphan the scribe and uh, Asiah, the king's servant saying go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found for great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that was written concerning us That's just want to stop there for the time being now uh, the first R that I see in this passage is return. Return. Josiah returned, but first he returned to God. He returned to God. Now, the, the interesting thing is, we think of revival as us coming to God, but we have to understand that God is the one who initiates it all. It, it doesn't start with us. It didn't start with Josiah. It starts with God. The, Jesus said that no man comes to me unless my father draws him. In Romans chapter 3, verse 11, Paul says, There is none who seeks after God. So this is not a, 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 a wild hair that Josiah got. This is not something that Josiah said, you know what, I think that the seeking after God would be a good thing to start doing. This is something that God has already been uh, working in his heart. And, and so he was responding to God's drawing. And this is, uh, this is laid out explicitly in 2 Chronicles because 2 Chronicles tells uh, much the same uh, information as what 2 Kings does. And, and the book of Second Chronicles explicitly says that Josiah was already turning his heart to God when he had started these repairs of the temple. In fact, it says that in the 8th year of his reign, so when he was 16 years old, he began to seek God. Then it says in the 12th year of his reign, when he was 20, he started to purge idolatry. We're going to see that, that uh, in chapter 23, he really gets after it. But he had already started purging idolatry throughout the land. And then the 18th year of his reign, where chapter 22 uh, picks up, in the 18th year of his reign, he did, he decides to repair the temple. Now, he didn't do all this because he said, you know what? My dad Amon, he was a pretty good example to me. He was a godly man, so I'm going to follow in his footsteps. It wasn't like that. Remember, his dad was a wicked man. He did this because God was drawing, was drawing him. And God draws each of us. He had drawn each of the kings before Josiah. He had drawn the people. And, and the, the question is... What is our response to him? Because all these people throughout, uh, throughout the Old Testament, the vast majority of them, they rejected the drawing of God. Ammon did it. Manasseh did it. All these kings rejected the drawing of God, but Josiah responded by returning. And returning to God is how we get the re and revival. What is revival? Re means again, and vive means to have life. So revival is to have life again. And and if you've ever been in a in a church that's experienced revival, you know what that's like. That that that, that corporate body that is maybe lethargic. It's, uh, boy, it's, it's it's almost spiritually dead. It's on the it's on the verge of being spiritually extinct. Gets a new life. It gets the life breathed back into. That's revival. And coming back to God. That is what causes. Revival because he can't be revived. He can't be revived if you've never been revived in, in the first place. And, and so we have to come back to God. And I think that's why a lot of professing Christians and even churches never experienced revival because maybe they never knew Christ to begin with. They profess the name of Christ, but just like some of the people in, in some of Jesus' parables, I'm convinced that sometime uh, in in the future he might say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." So he came back to God. But secondly. He returned to the Word of God, to the Word of God. Now, with us, it, it would not be an, it wouldn't be a surprise to find God's Word in God's house would it. I mean, we we find it in our house. Many of us have, you know, we have copy after copy after copy. We've got some on the bookshelf, some on the tables. A lot of them are collecting dust. Some some ladies they have. And I guess maybe some men, if they're fashionable, they have a Bible that'll coordinate with their wardrobe, a different color for for every wardrobe they have. We have the Word of God. The question isn't do we have the Word. The question is do we ever read the Word. See, they had the Word, but it had been neglected, and they found it in the house, and evidently uh, the house of God, and evidently it had either been hidden because uh, they've been setting up idols and stuff like that in the temple, and some people think that the Word of God, the the law, was hidden to protect it. And some think that it had just been neglected, maybe stuck back in a closet somewhere. Either way, it was being neglected. The temple had fallen into disrepair. It had become a place of immorality. It had become a place of of, uh, of, of, of idolatry. and even been used kind of like a barn, which we're going to see a little bit later. And the Word of God was treated just as poorly as the house of God. It wasn't studied. It wasn't obeyed. Nobody ever looked at it. And we look at that and we say, that's that's bad shape they're in. It sounds like today to me. It sounds like today. I mean there are seminaries and churches where if you believe the Bible, you're in the minority. If you believe the Bible, you're ridiculed. You're mocked because because the Bible is disbelieved. And we look at we look at the world around us today and we say, Boy, they're always wanting to take the Ten Commandments down. Remember that case up in was Buffalo where they had the Ten Commandments in school and they took them down? And everybody threw a fit. How could they do such a thing? And I'm not defending I think it's bad they did it. But people want to take... The, the unbelievers want to take the Ten Commandments out of the schools. They want to take them out of the courthouses. And it's easy to point the finger at them. But I say our problem isn't with the outside world. The problem is with us as Christians. Because we have it on our walls... Maybe you, maybe you have a home interiors plaque of the Ten Commandments hanging on your wall. It's got a, go, a gold gold uh, commandments and and it's on a, a piece of wood. looks real shiny and pretty. Maybe you've got it on your wall, but you don't have it in your heart. You know, a lot of people they 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 get real mad about the Ten Commandments to be taken out of the schools and the courthouses. But if you were to press them, they couldn't they couldn't even say all Ten Commandments. I've seen recent poll numbers. And, and depending on the poll, the, the numbers are a little bit different, but they're all in, uh, in, in the same area. The recent polls that I've seen said that people who identify themselves as Christians, 35 to 40 percent of them never read the Bible. So almost half of people who report to be Christians never read the Bible, and the majority of those who do only do so the hour that they're at church so it's easy to say oh you people back in the Old Testament you had the word of God and it was a valuable thing and you didn't take advantage of it I'm saying we are, we're just as guilty and even more so because we have, we have the, the Bible on audio, uh, in audio format on CD we've got it on the internet we can put it on our, our cell phones we can get it in, in print on the, in, in, a, in book form we can get it online we can do all these things all these avenues of reading the word and we neglect it just like they did He returned to God and He returned to the Word. And I want you to notice that that this was a personal thing. You know, we probably all prayed that that God would send revival in America. We probably prayed that God would send revival in New Hope. But have we ever prayed that God would send revival in our own hearts? Because it starts with a person. It it doesn't start with a group. It didn't start with a nation of, of of Israel, it didn't start with Judah. It started with Josiah. So there was return. But secondly, if you'll notice in verse 11, there was repentance. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, he wasn't just doing it to, you know, be like the Hulk and rip his, rip his shirt open. It wasn't like that. What they did back then, it, it was uh, is a cultural thing. When somebody experienced great grief, in this case, convict from, from from conviction, they would often rip their clothes. and And God's not looking for us to rip our uh, to rend our garments. He's looking for us to rend our hearts. He's not looking for for broken clothing. He's looking for a broken heart because of our sin. And so, so Josiah hears the words of the law. He sees how far he and his people are from God's standard, and he is convicted. And whenever you read the word of God. I know with me, there's conviction that happens a lot of times because I don't measure up, and you don't measure up. And when you read that word and you feel that conviction, the response should be repentance. Repentance is that we, we, we confess our sin. We, we turn from our sin and go the other way. We change our behaviors. We get right with God. And repentance is necessary for revival because the reason we're not living in revival is because we're not where we need to be with God due to our sin. And we need to repent of that sin. We need to get away from that sin so that we're ahead of the way God wants us to go. So there's return. There's repentance. Now look at uh, chapter 23. In verses 14 to 20, basically, they go and talk to the prophetess. And and, and, and she tells him, uh, God's still going to judge the nation, but he's not going to do it during uh, Josiah's time because he responded with repentance. That's, that's the long and short of it. So look at 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 1. They come back, they tell the king that, and then uh, verse, 20, uh, verse 1, Then the king sent, and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by a pillar and made a covenant with uh, before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to carry out all the words uh, to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people entered into the covenant. I just want to stop right there. Here's a here's the next thing. That's recommitment. Recommitment. Now, I'm not talking about you have to uh, have some formal thing where you rededicate your life to the Lord. You you walk the aisle and you stand up before the church and and, uh, uh, and make a, a big scene about things. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you'll notice in these first three verses, there's a recommitment. It is a decision to follow God and walk after Him. Because you will not follow God by accident. You will not follow God by accident. It goes against our nature. If we just do what feels right... We'll never follow God. It goes against our culture. It is a tough thing to follow God in today's world. It is a decision that we have to make. We have to recommit ourselves to doing it. So the question of application is, are you committed to following God fully today? That's what that's what he says. He says that, that he is committed to doing all His commandments, all His statutes, all His testimonies, and doing it with all His heart, with all His soul. Can we say that? Are we fully committed to following God today? If not, we need to get there. So, after we've returned to God and His Word, we hear it, we're convicted by it, we repent, we recommit to following Him, there are going to be some changes in our lives. Here's the Here's the fourth thing reform or reformation. Look at verse 4. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order and the doorkeepers, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and he carried their ashes to Bethel. I just want to pause there for a minute. You're going to notice that word Kidron an awful lot. Um, It's the Valley of Hinnom, which later, as you read the New Testament, Jesus talks about Gehenna, and he talks about hell and and all these things, and he uses this word Gehenna, and he's referring to this Valley of Kidron. And what happened was in the Old Testament, they had um, idols set up to Molech and, and different guys like that, and that's where they offered child sacrifice. And so when Josiah comes along, He's taking all these ashes, he's he's burning all these all these idols and stuff like that, and he's defiling those places. And that basically becomes from from this point on kind of the city trash heap. And so they would they would take out their trash and, and, and all their all their refuse and they would dump it in this valley of Kidron. And it would be burning day and night. They they was they had a fire going and they would just keep adding more fuel and more fuel and more fuel. And Jesus used that later in the New Testament. He said, That's a picture of what hell's like. So this is kind of where it gets started. The Valley of Kidron. And there are some other uh, times they've done something similar to this. But this is, I mean, he's defiling this stuff so that uh, nobody's ever going to use it again. Okay? Uh, so chapter 23 and uh, in verse 5. He did away with the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had appointed to burn incense in the high places, in the cities of Judah and in the surrounding area of Jerusalem, also those who burn incense to Baal, also uh, to the sun and to the moon and to the constellations and to all the hosts of heaven. Now think of all these things that they're worshipping besides God. Baal, Asherah, uh, the constellations, Zodiac type things. He brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and ground it to dust and threw its dust on the graves of the common people. These are the, the idolatrous people. He also broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes which were in the house of the Lord where the women were weaving hangings for the Asherah. Now, depending on your translation, verse 7 may read a little bit different. It may say, He, he broke down the houses of the Sodomites. Those are people who are practicing the, uh, the abomination of homosexuality. And this was actually part of their um, a, a cultic thing. It's, it's a, a religious ritual in some of their Baal worship and stuff like that. This was happening inside the courts of the house of God. Can you imagine what that was like how far down this nation had gone. Um, uh, verse 8. Then he brought all the priests from the seas of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places of the gates which were, in the, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on once left at the city gate. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places did not go up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among the brothers. He also defiled Topheth, which was in the valley of the the son of Hinnom, uh, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. That's the child sacrifice I talked about earlier. He did away with the horses which the kings of Judah had given to the son at the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the, the official, which was in the precincts, and he burned the chariots of the son with fire. The altars which were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made, in the two courts of the house of the Lord, the king broke down, and he smashed them and threw their dust in the brook Kidron. The high places were before Jeru- which were before Jerusalem, which were on the right of the Mount of Destruction, which Solomon the king of Israel had built for Ashereth, and the abomination of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and Milcom, the abomination of the sons of Ammon, the king defiled. Now I just want to stop here for a second because verse 13 um, talks about... Um, The Mount of Destruction. Your Bible may render that a little bit differently. The Mount of Destruction, um, that is later the Mount of Olives, which you probably read about in the New Testament. So Jesus talked a lot on the Mount of Olives about following God alone, and this is some of the history behind that. Um, Verse 14. He broke in pieces the sacred pillars and cut down the ashram and filled their places with human bones, again, defiling it where they'll never use it again. Furthermore, the altar that was at Bethel, and remember that's where the golden calf had been set up originally And the high place which Jeroboam the son of Naboth Who made Israel sin had made Even that altar in the high place he broke down Then he demolished its stones Ground them to dust and burned the Asherah Now the Asherah that, That's uh, like a female goddess And it was a, a wooden pole basically Now when Josiah turned He saw the graves that were on the mountain And he sent and took the bones from the graves And burned them on the altar And defiled it according to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these things that happened back in First Kings. Then he said, "What is this monument that I see?" And the men of the city told him, "It is the grave of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things, which you have done against the altar of Bethel." He said, "Let him alone; let no one disturb his bones." So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Josiah also removed all the houses of the high places which were in the cities of Samaria. So he's gone north into Israel now which the kings of Israel have made provoking the Lord. And he did to them just as he had done in Bethel. All the priests of the high places who were there, he slaughtered on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now I'll pause there. So what do we have here? We have reforms or reformation. He changed behavior. Now, the most prevalent sin, the thing that you probably notice over and over and over again, even though I kept stopping, the most prevalent sin that uh, that Israel and later Judah was wrapped up in was idolatry. They have forsaken God and they worshiped these other things. Now, if you'll notice down in verse 24, it talks about um, the, the teraphim and the idols and the abominations uh, the, that were seen in the land. Those teraphim, those were the things that were set up at the houses. So it wasn't, these, these were private things. So get this, they, they, they defiled the house of God. They set up idols like right here on the altar. They put idols and statues, and they worshiped those idols. They said, you're my God, Baal. You're my God, Asherah. You're the one who has given us this rain. You're the one who led us out of Egypt. You're the one who has done all this stuff. But not only had they done that in public, but they would also set up little idols in their houses. So they might have a shelf that that had a little statue on it. And that's kind of like their good luck charm. They would pray to you. They would say, oh, whoever whatever god i'm going to call you i need your help today at my job because my my coworkers is really driving me nuts today oh help me have a good day and then they come home oh thank you you gave me such a great day today they were they were they were worshiping they were praying to these other gods and not the real god and so uh so what josiah does is he comes in and he gets rid of the sin he, he stops all the idolatry But also, he stops the causes of of idolatry. He has a wholesale cleaning out. Uh, He he really cleaned house, I guess you'd say. He swept out the leaven. And so not only did he get rid of all the priests who were doing all these bad things, he also got rid of the places where they were doing it. Places of immorality that I talked about earlier. Uh, Those places of idol worship, the high places, the altars. And he got rid of those people who led to sin. And if we're wanting to see revival in our own lives after we repent, we need to change our behavior. We need to clean house too. We need to forsake our sin. And we need to avoid those compromising situations. See, it's not enough to say, well, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to avoid this sin. You need to stay away from what's causing you to sin. Somebody said, if you don't want to fall, don't walk where it's slippery. And there may be a place you need to stop going, there may be a website you need to stop visiting. There may be a friend you need to stop hanging out with. There may be some situation in your life that you need to change. You need to avoid to keep you from sin. Now, remember, we saw a couple weeks ago that reformation without God is pointless. It's going to end up leaving you worse than than you were before. And so, the last thing I want you to see—they've they've repented. He's changing changing behavior. There's the reformation, and the last thing is rekindle. We need to make God the center of our life again. Look at verse 21. Then the king commanded all the people, saying, Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in, in this book of the covenant. Surely such a Passover had not been celebrated from the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and of the kings of Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, the Passover was observed to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah removed the mediums, and the spiritists, and the teraphim, and the idols, and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might confirm the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. So the last thing is we need to rekindle our love for God. We need to start fresh. You remember that in the book of Revelation, uh, God sends them, he he talks to the churches. He says, you're doing this well, you're doing this poorly, I have this against you. And and you remember he talks to the, the, the Ephesian church. And he said that he had this against them. They had left their first love. They left their first love. And I think that's what happens to a lot of Christians. We get saved, we're on fire for God, and then life happens. And then, you know, we get sick or somebody that we know dies, or or there's a, a setback in our, our finances, or whatever it is. And maybe maybe the, the, the Christians in our church maybe they don't maybe they don't respond the way we think they should. Maybe God doesn't do what we think He, he will do. Maybe He doesn't act in the timing that we would want, and we get disillusioned, and and we start to to lose some of that passion, and the fire starts to cool, and we begin to to, to turn our attention to things and to people, and and we replace God with those other things. We lose, we we leave our first love, and here here is Jesus's solution to that. In in uh, Revelation chapter two, He says, "Therefore." Remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. The same thing is what we're talking about here. Repent and change your behavior or else I'm coming to you and we'll remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Go back to the way things used to be when you were so on fire for God because He's not the one that moved. We're the ones who leave Him. He doesn't leave us. So the key there is to repent and to rekindle our passion for God. And maybe in that repentance, maybe in that changing your behavior, maybe it's not just telling God you're sorry and asking Him to forgive you. But there might be something in there where you need to make amends with a person. Maybe you've been at odds with somebody and you need to go to that person and say, you know what? I'm sorry I've done this to you. Will you forgive me? Maybe you need to go to that person and say, you know what? You wrong me in this way. Let's let's get this worked out. Remember, Jesus said, "If if you're in prayer and you remember you have something against your brother, he has something against you. Take care of that for you. Offer your give your offering. We need to get these things taken care of. We need to go back to, to being right with God. We need revived. We need to be right with one another. We need to be right with the Lord. Not for revival's sake." For the sake of our souls. Because if, if you have some sin in your life, you need to repent of it. Sweep out the leaven of sin. Commit to God, following God fully today. Today. Make that decision. Ask God to kindle afresh in your heart a love for Him that you once had. And then you'll have a, a vibrant, contagious relationship with God and and people will notice there's something different about you and in just a moment we're going to have a time to respond and maybe at that time you want to come and and you just want to pray at the altar maybe you have something you want to get right with God maybe there's just been something on your heart that you want to talk to Him about maybe you've never repented of your sin to begin with you won't experience revival If 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 you repent of your sin you'll experience revival you'll finally be saved you'll finally be spiritually alive and maybe, maybe coming up front, it's not you just don't feel comfortable. Maybe you just want to make that commitment right where you're standing. or sitting right now. Say, I will follow God. I'll forsake my sin and follow him fully.